0: We want to talk a little bit about um, reality today versus falsehood. And I want to share, this is an absolute true story I want to share. A number of years ago, my wife and I went canoeing. How many of us have gone canoeing before? Down in the Pine Barrens. It's a 17 mile, really nice place to go. We were with young married people. And being competitive like I am, we had a bunch of couples, and we were racing one another. And, of course, uh, this was only the second time ever that I canoed. Hello? Second time ever. And we wanted to race to the finish, and I was the steerer in the back. My wife said, are you sure you know what you're doing? I said, of course I know what I'm doing. Just keep going as fast as you can. I'll take care of everything. Yeah, I took care of everything. Uh, <laughs> we ended up crashing into the side of the bank, a bush. My wife got, like, scratched a little bit. We tipped over. <laughs> yeah, we tipped over, and I started panicking so hard. I mean, I was going, "Help! Help!" I'm trying because I don't swim well. I do the doggy paddle you know, and plus it was cold out, it was October, and there was like, you know, the hyperventilation thing going on when you touch the cold water, and I'm like, help, help, someone help me, please, please, and I'm like panicking, and there was another canoe that came by with my friend, and he keeps yelling at me, and I'm not hearing anything he's saying, and I'm trying to hang on to him, and I'm I'm actually grabbing him down to try to push him over, because I'm so panicked, and he just says, stupid, just stand up, stupid, Finally, I got it in my head. Hey, maybe I could just stand up. The water was three feet deep. (laughs) I mean, this is amazing stuff. And um, I felt so embarrassed and so stupid and and, and so forth. You guys are laughing at me. But, you know, some of us today are actually believing in lies. Like we deceive ourselves. And we're actually believing things that aren't true. And there's a principle I want to talk about Uh, in in our little bulletin that you have there, right here in the message notes, and it's this. It's, believing a lie is true will have the same effect as if it were true. You ever think about that? And I could use some water from somebody if they have it. Um, No, not that beer, the water, okay? (laughs) Uh, You ever think about that? If you believe in something, as true, even though you know it's a lie, or maybe you may not, you may believe it to be true. It has the same effect as being true. In my mind, I thought I was drowning, even though I was only in what three feet of stinking water. Thank you, brother. How about a hand for Chris, our worship leader? And many of us today are going through life believing in lies, believing in things that are not true, but because we're convinced somehow, whether it was because of what our own minds told us, whether it's because what we heard growing up from our parents, maybe you heard from a co-worker, maybe you heard from a classmate, or, or maybe, you know, we have a spiritual enemy we're going to talk about known as the devil. Yes, we do believe in this guy called the devil, maybe from him, and you believe in this whole line of garbage that's simply not true, but because you're believing it true, to you, it is true and it has the same effect. And today we want, we want to talk about those things being strongholds. That's what a stronghold is, it's a lie. We're going to get into that in a little bit, what a stronghold is. Let's talk a little bit about strongholds. Maybe you grew up in a, a home where, like myself, I shared last week. You're always being told you're no good. You're not going to be anything when you grow up. Why are you even trying to go to college? Why don't you do something with your, you know, some other avenue because you're just not going to make it? You're just not good enough. Or maybe you grew up feeling because someone once told you you were fat. You know, this is a sad situation. I just read a, a, a commentary 70% of women. I don't know the percentage of guys, but they'll look at these glamour magazines. and After looking at them for like 15 minutes, they'll start getting depressed. Why? Because they start feeling, gee, why can't I look like that? And they may be drop-dead gorgeous, but because they're, they're, they're believing the lie that maybe someone told them years ago, that they're just not pretty. They're just fat or whatever. They believe that lie, and to them, they live their whole lives with a stronghold in their life. Or maybe you've had a relationship, and maybe one or two or three relationships have gone bad, and you're thinking to yourself, I could never be in a relationship again. I could never have a happy marriage because of what happened to me in the past. I could never find Mr. Right. In fact, we've sold, we so have sold ourselves on these strongholds. We want to call these relationship strongholds. I hear this all the time because I worked with families for 26 years in family court, and I always heard this. I heard... All men are... Come on, ladies, finish it for us. Pigs. Would you Wait, what else? Did, I heard something else. Scum. Dogs. All right, guys, let's get out of here before it's too late. <laughs> you know, uh, or all the good men are... Taken. Or they're not... Real? No, available. <laughs> I hope you're real today. <laughs> you know, these are... Strongholds in a way. These are lies that we just, that's not true. You know in your heart that that's simply not true. But we get, believe it or not, you know, Goebbels, there was this, there was this propaganda um, person in Nazi Germany who said, if you repeat the lie long enough, what's going to happen? You're going to believe it. Exactly. And this is what's going on with strongholds in our lives. And all of us have, have different strongholds that we go through in our lives. And we may not even be aware of it. We may not even realize that we're thinking like this, but it's true. I grew up, as I say, a lot of you guys know my issue, I have lots of issues, you know. There's there's physical strongholds. You know, I'm a hypochondriac, right? And one day I was so happy I was going, you know, working out, and I came out to take my blood pressure. And I went into the Shopright Pharmacy, and I put stuck my arm in that sucker, and I took my blood pressure. To, okay, come on, I'm in great shape here. Put it in there. It said 252 over 125. You know what I did, right? All of a sudden, I was feeling great. All of a sudden, I'm going, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh! I could barely make it home. I barely, I'm hyperventilating. Ah, I gotta get home before I have a stroke. Ah, oh, I can see my kids before I die and croak. Ah, I get to the phone. I get home. I called my doctor, Dr. Ara, and and my nurse, Dr. Alita, said, I'm dying, I have blood pressure of 252 over 132. And they said, don't worry about it, come on, just, that's impossible. You'd be dead, you'd be on the floor right away. Do we have a doctor in the house anywhere? Okay, good. Um, So, you know, being all worked up, being thinking that I had this type of uh, situation going on, I, I happened to have a homemade blood pressure cuff, you know, not a homemade, but one of those things you have at the home, you can take with you wherever you go. So I stick my arm in there, and one of my friends is in, is in the room tonight, he, he remembers me doing this, and it's very, very high still, because I thought myself up to this frenzy, you know, like I would have drowned in that water if no one was around to say, stupid, stand up. And I embarked on Probably a one-year addiction. I'm I'm confessing something here, and I know I'm a pastor and so forth, but I'm confessing to you what happened to me after that point for the next year and a half, and my my family and my kids can attest, um, I had this phobia that something was deeply wrong with me with my blood pressure, and I was afraid to go anywhere else. And I would take my blood pressure no longer. I had an addiction, okay? What happens is when you have a stronghold in your life, and you allow that to fester, you allow it to take place in your mind, it has to manifest itself in some way. Most often, many times, it manifests itself through addiction. And we're going to talk about that today. But I, and this is no lie, I would take my blood pressure at least, at least 20 times a day, okay? I remember, this is now only eight years ago. I'm crazy, okay? I hope you come back next week. <laughs> but, I would take my blood pressure and I remember this is eight years ago, sitting on the sofa and crying and saying, you know, i had been going to seminary and I heard the voice, some voice, you know, saying, and you want to be a pastor and you want to help people. You can't even get off that sofa. You think you're cracking up, which I was thinking I was cracking up. You think, you know, you're, you're crazy, dude. Can't you see? And I was paralyzed with fear another stronghold. Some of us today are, par- you can just put the, you know, put it, the blank in there, you're paralyzed with some kind of sh- uh, stronghold today. But you don't, the good news is you don't have to be paralyzed with those strongholds, because God has a better plan. But we want to talk about that today. And the first thing I want to say is, you need to realize that you are in a war, all right? And that's the first point that on, on our sheet. fact of the matter is, You know, there was the 9-11 Commission, and they said this. They said, do you know um, the uh, the enemy, which is the Taliban and uh, the extremists, the, uh, the Muslim terrorists, they have been in a war with us for the past 15 years, but we didn't even know it. <laughs> we didn't know it until the day they, they crashed into our, to, to our towers. And some people still don't realize they're trying to kill us. They're trying to maim us. They're trying to hurt us. And your enemy... Today is a number of things. We mentioned it earlier. Your enemy is is Satan himself. If you're a Christian today, Satan wants to hurt you. He wants to maim you. He wants to make you think thoughts, put thoughts in your head that are simply not true. He wants to build strongholds in your life and he wants to take away your identity, all that you, that Jesus offers you, all that, the, the life that you can have through Christ. He wants to negate that by filling your minds with lies. The battlefield isn't like a real battleground of a you war-war. Know, it's the battleground of your mind. That's what the sh- a stronghold is. It's, a thought, it's, a, it's a, a thought that's simply not true. And if you go to the next point here, a, a stronghold is actually this. It's a prison by deception. I want you to look in your notes there on the definition of stronghold. In the Greek, there's two meanings for stronghold. One is fortress or prison, and we think of prison. You know, um, I guess there's a prison for anybody. Play uh, what princess P- was Peach, Miss Peach was she in the uh, Princess Peach was she in the, stuck in a prison somewhere? If you're playing stuck in a castle, okay, a castle a prison, same type of a thing, and so forth. But there's a second meaning to stronghold, and this is so interesting: is that it means prisoned by deception. Satan, even our own thoughts, even the thought people, he uses other people, he uses ourselves, even from our own selves, we can actually deceive ourselves into believing lies that are simply not true. And this is a prison of deception. We could get so built up like I was in that water, like I was with that blood pressure cuff, you could get so built up and to think that you're in this prison. You can never escape this place. You will never get out of it. And some of us are under the power of this kind of prison. It's like being under the power of the ring, you know, in the, in, uh, the uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Thank you. And this is a very, very serious thing. And you need to understand that's the first step is to realize you're in a battle. And you need to take action. Take uh, measures for that, and the scriptures that we see here look at the look at the um, the military terms that Paul uses. He talks about warfare, he talks about weapons, he talks about holding the person captive. Uh, he talks about all these things uh, for although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. on the contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And that's what we're talking about today. Let's go to the next scripture. And it says this. It says, and you can go to the next scripture. And it says, oh, wait, no. Oh, did I, did I miss that already? Okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't looking back. Go back to, I'm sorry. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive these are military terms that he's using. Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In the King James Version, that word demolish really means casting down, to take down. We're going to talk about that. But also in the King James Version, which really gives you a better understanding of the word argument, it's really imagination. You know, like SpongeBob. Imagination. Some of you guys that don't know about SpongeBob, you're going to think, is this guy crazy or what? What? But who I watch Spongebob and there's this one series where he goes, imagination. So what God is saying, you guys have put in we have put in our minds lies, deceptions. We are imprisoned by our own uh, thoughts, by Satan's thoughts, by other people's thoughts, to believe certain things that are not true. And actually it's all imagination. It's not real. It's deception, it's smoke and mirrors. That's what it is. It's smoke and mirrors. And God says, no, you know, you don't have to live like this. You can break free from this. You can come in contact with who you really are, who you were meant to be. But instead, a lot of us uh, choose to hang on to who we are. And that's what the next scripture actually says. To whatever you're mastered, you know, whatever's your master, you know, you're a slave to that. You're a slave. And some of us can right now in our hearts can think about what strongholds in our lives are keeping us like you just feel like I just can't break through. I try, and you may be listening to the lie saying you're never going to break free. You know, it could be anything. It could be pornography. It could be anything. And the outward manifestation of these things is really oftentimes, like I said, addiction. And it's important to know that it's important to know that strongholds actually sometimes. Are intermingled with legitimate needs. You know, I had a I had a woman in my office once. She came in, and she was about oh about twenty eight years old, I'd say. And you could just tell on her face that she had been through a lot. You ever look in a person's eyes and you just see lots of like suffering, and you just you just see, and she just poured her heart out to me. And you know, you see where I work, where I used to work. You see thousands of people, and they all have a story. And But sometimes some people just hit you, you know. And she said, you know, she's just talking to me. She was in there for, for a court issue with her kids. <clears throat> and she was telling me, she was telling me, you know, my mom and dad broke up when I was five years old. And she said, and my daddy, he had weekend visitation. And he promised me he would take me fishing every other weekend, Friday to Sunday. You know, but every Saturday, he said, Honey, I'm coming. This is the day I'm going to come for you. I'm coming for you. And you know what, Mr. Butler? I said, Don't call me Mr. Butler. You can call me David. You can call me David, too. She said, I sat there every every Saturday. The first Saturday, nothing. You know, I sat there with my fishing rod. I sat there with my tackle box. I sat there waiting in the rain one day. And my daddy never showed up. And she starts weeping. And I'm a guy, you know, who you see a lot and you get callous. And I I had to leave the room because I started weeping. And she says, you know, that's just how it it happened in my life. And what happened with her is she went on from growing up because of that stronghold that started when she was five years old, believing, now what, what message is she getting? She's getting the message, you're not worth much. She's getting the message, why don't you just croak and die somewhere on the side of the street? Why don't you just get out of here? And she grew up with that. And she internalized it. And eventually that has to come out some way, okay? And many times that's through addictions. So she, she entered relationship after relationship. She got into drugs and alcohol. And she got addicted to heroin. And she went through a program and got off of that. But she went through so many different types. She had two abortions. And this is an extreme case, but I'm making a point here. And she looks at me, and she just, I let her talk. You know, sometimes you just need to let people pour their hearts out. And she said to me, all I really ever wanted was a daddy. That, you know, addiction many times expresses a deep inner spiritual need. It's not, addiction is just a symptom. Illicit sexual relationships are just a symptom. Pornography is just a symptom. Drugs, alcohol is just a symptom. What she was really looking for was intimacy, was relationship. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, you know, every dude that walks into a brothel, he didn't call them dudes back then. He called them gentlemen. (laughs) I I use the term loosely. He said, are we really looking for God. They're really, but they don't know it. All of us, all of us, we, 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 through these strongholds, if we don't deal with these, they eventually can turn into addictions because there's a legitimate need. Her legitimate need was she wanted a daddy. She wanted a relationship. And some of us right now in our hearts, we're yearning for that intimate relationship because why is that? Because God put that inside of you. He created a little vacuum part you know, that only He can fill. Only God can fill that. But when we try to hang on to things, when we try to address legitimate needs through addiction, you know, we're doing it without God. That's the next point. When, you know, addictions are our attempts to meet legitimate needs without God. So we figure, you know, I'm in pain. Hey, it's okay. When you're in pain, what do you want to do? You want to take a pill to relieve that pain, don't you? You want to maybe, and you, maybe if you hear the voice, hey, take this, it will make you feel better. Hey, do that. Maybe you'll dull the pain, and maybe you'll feel better through that. And what happens is, with addiction, and even if we're talking about relationships, we could talk about other addictions, but even on relationships, what happens is, you're going to be flapping around in that water, and it's kind of like, you know, what happens when you're drowning, like I thought, and what happen- what happens if no one was around to help me out? I would have drowned because the more you flap around, the more deep you go and the more you're going to wear yourself out. And what happens is in life, we are like that sometimes, aren't we? We flap around. We try to do our own thing. And like quicksand, you know, if we could sink down. And some of you right now may say, I don't have an addiction. You know, maybe that's true. But maybe there's another, another issue that you're working on. Or maybe you think you don't have an addiction. You know, I didn't think I had an addiction. You know, I had relationship addictions too, besides my own wackiness of fear and so forth and anxiety. I have a problem where I, I couldn't say no to someone. Oh, you want me? Oh, oh, uh, can I help you with that, Chris? Can I get you some more? Is that okay? If that's okay? Good. Uh, I'll do whatever you want, okay? Hey, you want some money? Huh? Would that be okay? I'll give you five bucks. Will you be my friend if I give you five bucks? Okay, all right. Hey, you want me to scratch your back, huh? Okay. (laughs) You know, you try to earn people's love. And and for the first four years of my marriage, because I was so insecure, crazy, I was trying to earn my, my wife's love. I was trying to earn all the friends I grew up with because I grew up in a crazy home. I was trying to buy friendships. What do you always hear? You can't what? You can't buy love, you can't buy friendships. How sad is that? You know, but think about it, you know, you may say, Oh, this guy's whacked out. Think about your own relationships. You know, are you pleasing God? Are you pleasing God or are you pleasing man? Are you listening to what God is saying about you? Or are you listening to what man is saying about you? Are you listening to that small voice that you heard when you were five years old saying, you know, you're so fat. What's wrong with you? Why are you, why are you eating those Fritos, you know? They used to call me Butterball Butler, by the way. <laughs> or are you listening to what God says about you? And that's the key here in, in, in conquering and taking down strongholds. There's three things that God says. Three things. First off, you need to take it to God. You know, and I was so happy. You know, there's no such thing as a coincidence, we said a few weeks ago, there's God incidences. There's no such thing as a coincidence, and I'm so happy that woman was in my office that day, because yeah, she got a little crazy, dude. But you know what? Guess what? And by the way, we have a saying in this church: no perfect people allowed. We're imperfect people for an imperfect, you know, imperfect church seeking a perfect God. And God often, in fact, God always. He's in the business of using people who are broken, using people who know what it's like to suffer, using people who the world says you're a nobody and turning them into something special. God has amazing plans for you guys today. Amazing plans if you take it to Him. And I told her, I said, Dear, I I went and I got some tissue. I said, Don't cry. I said, You have... There's a beautiful scripture. It says, Even though your mom and dad forsakes you, God says, I will never forsake you. I will always be, be there for you. I will be, and I shared with her Jesus. I shared with her the love of God and what it is. And there's a beautiful scripture. Uh, you could go to the next scripture. There's a beautiful scripture. Uh, it says here in, in Matthew 16, 25. I said, listen, you're hanging on to your past. You're hanging on. You're trying to do things your own way through your, through your addictions. You've heard a lie from the past. And what you need to do, like me hanging on to that boat. You know, I was hanging on, trying, thinking that was going to help. No, if I brought them over, we'd all go down, right? What you need to do, I shared this scripture, you need to give up your life. Jesus speaks in In these paradoxes, Jesus always says something you you don't expect. He's saying, in order to actually find your true identity, in order to actually get a reality check on your life, what you have to do first is give up your life for me. He's saying, if you lose your life for me, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you're going to find it. And that's a beautiful exchange. All that craziness, all those lies, all those strongholds that you hang on to that are actually taking you down into the water, spiritually taking you down in your life, taking, losing your... Talk about a glee stealer, and that's what we're talking about. You're hanging on to this, and Jesus said, all you need to do is let go. All you do is stand up, stupid. He didn't call stupid. I hope not. And exchange all that crazy stuff for what I have to offer I want to pour in all of my joy, all of my purpose. You're precious in my sight. And if you look, go to the Scriptures, you'll see God, but God, I want you sometimes to look in your Bibles, and we we want to get a personal Bible learning here at, at Oasis. You check your Bible, what God says, about you are dearly beloved. It says in 1 John, uh, it says that we are His dearly beloved children, and that's what we are. He loves you so much that He He poured out His life for you on the cross. What more could God do, you know, than to die for you? He says, I've given everything for you. You're worth it. You're worth it. And all He wants us to do is believe on Him, to come to Him, take it to God. And that may include confessing our sins, confessing our mess-ups. He understands where we're from. He understands your past past. He says he empathizes and sympathizes with all of our weaknesses. What an amazing Savior you have. What an amazing God. And the first step is taking it to him and saying, God, I need help. I I need an inside-out job here. I need a job done. I need need an exchange life. And he offers to exchange all of our craziness, all of our sins, for forgiveness, for peace, and for joy. And that's what he wants us to do. And that's just such an amazing promise. Don't you ever think, "Oh, I heard that before." Let it come. Let it soak into your minds. Let it soak over your hearts, and believe the words of God that you are much loved in His sight. And today, if you're not a believer in God, if you say, "You know what? I'm just searching. I don't even know." You know, you may not even know there's a battle going on. But guess what? There's a battle going on. You know, and the scripture says your your eyes are blinded. You don't even realize it. There's a scripture that says the devil has blinded the eyes of those that are, are in the world. And we were all like that at one time. You know, we're like Dorothy. You know, like the you're, what are those? What were those things anyway? Oh, yo, yo, yo. You know, those like monkey dudes. You know, <laughs> I never could figure out who they were, but they were under they were under the wicked witch of the west spell, right? And, but they had the power once that power was broken they were freed and it says here you have divine power if you go back to second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 on your notes it says God has given you divine power Dorothy had it right she had the, the, the Ruby slippers right but God has given you that's dynamite He has given you divine power it says in second Corinthians chapter 10 if you could probably switch back to that verse for me if you'd like and to demolish strongholds, to take down these vain imaginations, these arguments that are in your head that are simply not true, and to demolish them. That means to cast down. Second thing, though, you need to take it public. And that's that's a scary thing. You know, it's kind of scary for me up here, too, to, here I am talking, you know, a lot of churches in a lot of places, they want you to think that they're perfect. But you're not going to get that here. There's a lot of churches that maybe, you know, you you might get that some other place. But you're not going to get it here. You're going to get imperfection. We believe in authenticity. And that might scare some of us here. But it's very important that we're authentic with one another. Because when we're authentic with one another, that's when true healing can occur. That's when true things happen. We're not saying take it public to the whole human race. But we have these things in the Oasis called connect groups. Where you can study God's word together. Where you can share your heart in a safe place. We call it like this. Monday night we call it, hey, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? They say that, right? Well, it's the same thing with the connect group. What goes on in the connect group stays in the connect group. So you can share your heart. Some of us have to, we walk around with these crazy strongholds in our lives. We walk around feeling, you know, if you would just share in a group, you would realize there's a lot of other people walking around with the same kind of garbage. And God has a plan for you. And God wants us to share. It says in James 5.16, it says this, uh, to cast your burden in James 5.16, to the next, the next verse. It says, to share your sins, your burdens with one another, and pray for each other so you can be healed. That's a healing process that we have right there. When you There's something special about sharing your heart. It's like, it's like very cleansing to do that. I can't tell you how cleansing it is. I used to carry all this stuff inside of me. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be able to share my life. Because the cool thing with that, not only am I healed now, I'm up here not worrying about my blood pressure. You know, I'm up here helping other people. But, and that's the key. I'm not only helping myself, I'm helping other people. When you share your story, God is in the business of using, you know, he wants to comfort you so that you could comfort other people. And that's a healing process. Amazing, amazing thing. The last step is basically just take it down. You have the power. You may say, I don't have the power. Fact of the matter is, you yourself do not have the power. But through Jesus, it says, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, all things is not literally maybe all things, but all things that He's called you to do. All things in your life that you need to live a life of victory, a life of glee, a life of joy, a life of purpose, all things that way, everything that you step into, God says, I'm going to give you the strength. You may have a broken heart today. You may That may become a stronghold. Oh, God, I'm never going to meet anyone else again in my entire life because this is what happened to me. And it may grow into a stronghold or whatever it may be. You, you fill in the spot, but God promises you can take it down. And there's a wonderful picture, a wonderful picture, a couple, about eight years ago in Iraq. And there's this picture of the Saddam Hussein statue. It was like, I don't know, 80 feet tall. And you saw it running over and over and over again on CNN of that being taken down, of being cast down. There's a guy with a string and they were hitting it with a shoe. Anybody remember that? They're smacking him with the shoe. And God is saying the same thing for you with your strongholds. He's saying, you do these three things. You come to me, honestly. You exchange. Don't hang on to your old ways. I'm going to call the worship band up right now. Don't hang on to the oldness, these old lies that you've been living with for years. But come to me, and I will give you an exchanged life. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you joy. I will fill your life with with things that you can't imagine. I want to tell you, it's wonderful to be free from a stronghold. I am standing up here telling you from personal experience, I've shared my vulnerability. It is wonderful to be free. Are we perfect? No, because we're going to still have those thoughts coming in. But we have with, with God, with helping each other, and with believing God to be true, believing true what God says, rather than what other people say, we have hope. And that's it and i want to pray for you right now i want to i want to ask you a question what are you hanging on to today that that you're doing such a great job with you know what do you hang on to in your life what is it what stronghold is it in your life that you just man if i could only get rid of this my life would be so much better I want you to think about that stronghold. What would it feel like to you if you could be free from this stronghold in your life? And maybe that has manifested itself over time, even in in an addiction. There's hope for you today. Don't believe believe those lies that there's no hope for you. There's hope in Jesus Christ. And I want us to bow our heads. I want to pray for us. Amen. If there's anyone in this room right now Maybe you know about God. You know that it says He He loves you, but maybe you've never taken that step to say, "Jesus, take my life, take my sins." Well, I screwed up my life. You know, none of us start life thinking, "Boy, I just want to." I just when I get older, I just want to screw my life up royally. <laughs> I don't think we're like that. But if you're one of those people who knows that you're in this situation and you want relief you want God to come into your life to renew you to cleanse you to forgive you to start a new life that's what the Bible says born again and as we bow our heads and close our eyes there's no need to be embarrassed or, or, or ashamed or afraid if you're like that now I want you to raise your hand right now and say you know what I want God in my life maybe it's for the first time in my life Jesus I want you I want a new beginning in my life. I want to be forgiven. I want to be cleansed. I want to know you and know that I'm clean and know that I'm free for the first time in my life from worry in this way. Anybody? God is talking to you? Okay, thank you so much. God bless you. This is an amazing, holy moment that God is saying, thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. God bless you. God is in this place. And if you're a Christian today, and listen, I was a Christian 15, 20 years. People thought I was like Mr. Perfect. But I wasn't. I was suffering alone inside. If you're like that, I want to call you, I'm going to call some of our prayer people up. We want to pray with you. We want to minister to you. while, Even while this song is going on. We want to pour our hearts out. We want to take it to God and then pray for you so that we may be healed together.